0: Has somebody ever done something for you that was unnecessary or that was beyond an expectation that you had? Maybe they helped you, they gifted you something, they met some kind of need. And how did that make you feel? You can answer that if you have a short answer, like one word. Like, good, all right. Loved, very good. Any others? Appreciated, excellent. And think about what was the effect of that on your life. I think about in 2003, I was relatively new to Los Angeles and I had just gotten a new place to live. So I was moving out of a fifth floor apartment, but I was like still forming community and was embarrassed and kind of shy to ask for help. And so I just didn't. And then some friends of mine at the last minute found out that I had no help to move out of this apartment down into a U-Haul and then across town. And so they just showed up and helped me move. And I would not have been able to do it without them or at least without some misery involved doing that by myself. So it was like, it was a practical help, but it also helped me know like, oh, I actually have formed community here in LA. And I didn't maybe realize that I didn't know like the depth of say trust I had formed with people. So it really had an effect on my life that they came and helped. So this kind of thing when people like give above and beyond um, it makes me a little verklempt, like I get really emotional when I think about things like this. Uh, if you know me, and many of you do, I love talking about movies, and if I can recommend one movie hugely from this year, it's called Thirteen Lives, and it's the true story of the rescue of a Thai soccer team from a cave where they had been trapped during floods. And this whole region of people, including like cave rescue experts from all around the world, came and, like, put their lives at risk, put their economic security at risk for the possibility of saving these kids from this cave. And that's beautiful to me. I literally spent the entire two-hour and 20-minute movie with, like, a lump in my throat and a few tears. Um, it's a real event, so I probably won't spoil anything, but they do rescue the kids. Uh, like, it's a true story. It was in the newspaper four years ago. But you should watch the movie. It's just expertly done. And... Um, there's something about extravagant deeds like that that stir up emotion in me. And I think probably because it's really rare. Like, it's rare that something so beautiful happens, like another person or a whole bunch of people helping others that way. It's like otherworldly, right? And I think that it is otherworldly because it's heavenly. It's like when you help somebody out in a huge way with no strings attached, that's God's way of doing things. That's how he invites us to be a part of his mission in this world, as his followers, doing things above and beyond. So we're ending the Be Rich series by talking about how we are called to serve. And in a broken world, the experience of serving others and being served in like an extravagant and beautiful way enriches our lives. It connects us to each other, it connects us to God, and to our fundamental purpose as human beings. So, uh, there's a lot that could be said said about this, but I just want to look at three very simple points today, and uh, kind of what various writers in the Bible have said about serving other people, and God's directive to us to do that. So, please pray with me. Um, Lord, thank you that you have served us in ways that we cannot even comprehend, but we have experienced you, or many of us have, and I thank you for that, and you continue to serve us and continue to lead and love on us that we might be overflowing with your gifts to serve others with. So join us today, Lord God, and pour out more of that on us, we pray. Amen. All right, so quick scripture from Galatians Chapter 5, 13 through 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the new church in Galatia. I always forget the name of the actual Greek cities back then. Okay, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So a point here, pretty obvious. Serving is love. Right? Love is not just a thought or an emotion. It's an an action. It's an active relationship. This is, I'm verging on, like, repeating a little bit from last week. Chris talked about gratitude. And if you remember, if any of you are here, Chris said that if you don't communicate your gratitude to somebody, what they receive is... Ingratitude. Very good. It's the same with love. It needs to be expressed somehow. People won't know that you love them if it's merely something you treasure in your heart, but never do anything about. Like Taylor Swift doesn't know that you love her. I am sorry, unless some of you actually know her personally. Um, but you know, with words or actions, love needs to be demonstrated. And so, you know, how you express that obviously depends on the relationship. You shouldn't necessarily treat your neighbor like your spouse but you know there's you know there's appropriate levels of expressing love but in any of those relationships whatever the appropriate level is there is kind of like the basic expectation and then there's going a little bit above and beyond there's thinking how can i truly express my love to somebody so they really know it and whatever that might mean i think that you know service is a way to do that and It's not the only way. I think the serve is actually a big word. Like if you're thinking, I've read that book about the love languages and acts of service is not mine. Well, guess what? Words of affirmation is a way to serve people. Quality time is a way to serve people and love them. I think serve, it's a big umbrella there. Uh, As long as you choose it, you choose to take action on how you feel about somebody. And, um, you know, serving one another, it's all about kind of pushing relationships beyond what is typical, beyond the kind of you know, sinful, broken world we live in where, yeah, you, you serve and love the people it's easy to love, you know, when it's just convenient for you. Imagine if you, treated, if you were treated by others as you wanted to be for an entire day. And like the kind of day where you leave your house, like you're not just sitting at home, like you out and interacting with people in the world and everyone treated you exactly as you wanted to be treated. Oh, that'd feel like really good, right? Like what if you went a whole week experiencing that? How much richer would you feel, relationally speaking? How would it feel if you then did that to everyone you met for an entire week? If you loved every person, every neighbor as yourself? Life would feel richer. You'd feel a little bit more connected knowing that there's love on whatever level of love that is, whatever kind of relationship that is. But Jesus does challenge us to push beyond what is typically expected with love. He tells us not only to love our neighbors, but to love our enemies and to pray for them. So like the kingdom calling to serve and to love is pretty high. So the Apostle Paul pointed that out in Galatians. Serving is love. And the Apostle Peter expands on it a little bit more. So here's a chunk from the book 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So it sounds kind of dark in the beginning. He says the end of all things is near. I think the point is like, time's a-wasting. We have limited time on this earth. What are you gonna do with the limited time that you have? And so Peter agrees here, love is the greatest goal, but going further, he points out that when we are loving people, we're actually administering God's grace in how we serve them, in all its forms. So my second point, serving is partnership with God. I think this is true in the biggest ways and in the smallest ways, however we serve people. We think of God's grace as like, okay, he forgave us our sins. He died for our sins. But I think that's just kind of like, that's the catalyst for like so much that grace is, which is the reconciliation and restoration of the whole world. By choosing to put love for others into action, we are doing the work of God. And we're not just like referencing God or being kind of like God. We're actually partnering with God in how we live when we serve and love other people. And that partnership was by design. Like we who follow Jesus, and that may not be all of you, but you know, you're in a church, so there's like a probably good likelihood that you acknowledge Jesus in some way as God. Um, if we, you know, if we follow him and take res- the responsibility of what he called us to do seriously, we live as he lived. We follow his example. We join in listening to the Holy Spirit for leadership in our lives. You know, everything that Jesus did, he said, I do what, the, what I know the Father is doing, And he let the Holy Spirit kind of guide him in that. Um, We get to do the same thing. In the simplest words, actions, whatever, we're bringing heaven to earth if we're partnering with him. And God is glorified in it. And that's kind of like maybe beautiful and theological and a little abstract. So I'll just ask a few more questions to ponder. What kind of service might that be? So like, how did you become a Christian? Did somebody share their faith with you? Somebody talked to you about Jesus at some point? Who introduced you to Jesus? Maybe another question is, what role has a church played in your faith? Was there a community that helped you discover what being part of the family of God is? What the life of a Christian might look like? So the person who shared Jesus with you, that brought you to faith, if you have faith, was partnering with God. If you found a church community where your faith grew and matured, there were countless people who were serving to make that church happen. The people who put up the signs and flags, the people who arrange the chairs, who put out the food, the people who bring the music, lead us in that. All of that service leads to a welcoming environment where somebody might, for the first time, feel comfortable opening themselves to God's presence all of that service is important. It's key. And it's all partnership with God. And a lot of it is unseen and kind of thankless from time to time. And actually, an interesting thing about uh, what Jesus talks about when he talks about serving is that it's often best to give gifts or serve others anonymously. It's like, it should never be, look at me and my philanthropy. You know, lots of billionaires do that. um, But instead, when we serve others in secret, God gets the glory. So there are times to give and serve other people directly so that the relationship you have with them might be stronger and deeper. But other times we're to serve without drawing attention to ourselves. Uh, Even that, though, is relational. Like if we aim to do as Jesus did and follow what God's leading is, our relationship with God grows. And however that person might be anonymously blessed, their relationships and their hope and their experience of God's love may grow as well. So that's a great reason to serve, but Jesus goes even a little bit further about the motivation, about why we serve. So I'm gonna set up this scripture real briefly and say there's an argument going on among Jesus's disciples, like his core 12, because the mother of two of them asked Jesus if her sons could sit at Jesus's side when he came into his power They didn't, like, they weren't comprehending yet that Jesus' kingdom wasn't a conquering nation state kind of kingdom, that it was actually like a spiritual authority over the whole cosmos, the rule and reign of God. So we pick up in Matthew 20, 24 through 28, in the Gospel of Matthew, when the 10 heard about this, the mother asking about the two sons' special place, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the kingdom of God that Jesus preached, it's referred to as many authors and pastors over the years as an upside down kingdom. Like all the normal power structures we think of with governments or positional authority, it's like totally inverted, totally backward. So in Jesus's kingdom, when he's talking about service and serving, my last point, serving is real authority. It's not the ones who command that have authority. It's the ones who follow the commands and serve other people faithfully. It's not the people who demand dignity and demand respect and demand power. It's the ones who give those things away to the poor, to widows, to the sick, to the needy. Real authority serves. It builds others up. It lifts others up. This can be hard to find in our world, perhaps. Um, it was probably a little bit hard to find in Jesus' time because he had what I like to think of as a favorite insult. Any guesses about what Jesus' favorite insult was? Hypocrite! Yeah, all right. I, I could have taken suggestions, but I just thought I'd get right to it. Um, seriously, a lot of times in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, he calls out people for being hypocrites especially religious leaders and teachers of the law, because they knew God's word inside and out. But they used that to build power for themselves, to kind of attain authority and control over the religious structures of the day. And they did so in a way that excluded people, rather than drawing people in to know God's love and God's purpose, God's mission, God's care for their lives. Now, we might be aware, I don't know if you're on the internet ever, that sometimes today religious leaders are called out for hypocrisy, sometimes for good reason. Um, We don't want to be like that. (laughs) Let's consider how the upside-down kingdom works. If we serve others humbly, if if we do as we're called to do, I think somebody will actually notice it. It may not get as much attention as big hypocritical leaders. But if we just serve without drawing attention to ourselves, those who see that, those who experience it, maybe who know that we do it because we follow God, they'll take note. They'll say, hey, that person actually kind of walks the talk. They believe something. Maybe you think it's a little bit crazy, but they're doing good stuff because of it. And that's where you might find yourself having authority you didn't realize you had in your life. People may be willing to listen to your story because there's integrity. There's a connectedness between what you say you believe and how you live it out. People will be willing to trust you, perhaps. Even if you don't change their mind about Jesus, it might just generate a deeper relationship that you have with this person that you've helped might be a richer relationship that comes with more opportunity to share and to trust and to grow, to know them better, for them to know you. And I think that's beautiful and it's that that kind of heart of the grace of God's kingdom. Back from the second point, partnering with God in grace builds relationship, it connects people. At its most simple, sin separates us. But we can work against that by partnering with God in serving others, in whatever shape or form that takes, allow God to lead us to connect with people and put in that little extra effort above what is kind of typically called for and required by our world. So, another question, how can you serve? There are millions of ways, but there are two ways I want to talk about specifically that you can serve with PAC City. One is... And this already applies to many of you. You can join our dream team. That's what we like to call the people who make this church service happen. You can welcome people with a friendly face at the door. You can, you know, we used to have um, Tara who's singing with the band. If some of you are hiding an amazing singing voice and like sick harmonies, put your hand up, write it on the connect card. Say, I'll jump in, I'll sing. We have people who set up in the mornings, people who tear down afterward. And the more people who do that, the less burden it is for everybody. But the more we can continue to provide a place where people can come and meet Jesus amongst a community. There's a great phrase, it's a little corny, maybe old school churchy for the the church, which is grace with faces. And that's what we are. And we can be a part of giving us venue for that to happen for people. So the other way, which was already mentioned in the announcements, a very specific way you can serve if you'd like to this holiday season is the Holiday with a Heart event on December 10th. That's two Saturdays from now. Uh, we're forming a team for Pac City to go and represent and just love the world around us, which is one of our mission statements here at Pac City. And uh, it's gonna be really fun. I know a guy who's helping to organize it. Um, I'm gonna talk to people. You know, Eric might be able to do some... Uh, breakdancing for the kids at the event, we'll figure that out. So it's gonna be super fun. Uh, my friend Aiden is doing like, ai don't know what it's called, like giant bubbles. You know, like the kind of bubbles like the kid can stand in the bubble for a quick second before it pops. So like, really cool bubble show. It's gonna be a party. We're gonna be giving away gifts to people who probably wouldn't have the opportunity to receive gifts, like kids, families in need. It's gonna be beautiful and amazing. And just, you know, a tiny, Relatively anonymous expression of God's love to the community that we share here in Greater Los Angeles. Um, So, if you are interested in that, write it in your Connect card or just say something to me after the service today in the lobby while we're eating cookies. All right. Um, That's all I've got for you today. So, I'd like to invite you to stand up and the band can come back up here. But we are going to, before we begin worshiping with one last song, we're going to kind of pause and wait in the Holy Spirit and serve each other in prayer. Um, So I'd like to invite Chris, Kate, I think you're on prayer team today, I don't know, Nikki, if anyone in this moment has a word from God, maybe a leading of what the Father wants to do that he might share through the Holy Spirit, we're going to wait on that. And I also just felt as I was praying this morning, just to remind you all that Uh, God's love is at the heart of service. And sometimes you just need to be filled up again. So if even if the words we share aren't relevant to you at all, but you just want to be filled with some of God's presence and love, you are more than welcome to come up and receive prayer from anybody here at the front. Uh, But let's just pause for a moment and invite invite the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'll see what God wants to do this morning for those of us who are here. So... God, we do invite you now. Come and speak. Show us what you're up to that we might partner with you for each other today.